Hey, everyone. Good morning. It's good to see you all. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Isaiah 44. Um, Today, we're wrapping up our journey through the People of Yahweh series. And if you remember last week, Rick wrapped up the entirety of chapter 43. But remember, uh, when the prophet was writing these words, there weren't chapter breaks at all these places. We have chapter breaks. So the end of the thought is here. Uh, coming up in just a few verses. Uh, But I want to go over and remind us of all the things that we've learned and talked about in this People of Yahweh series. So I'm just going to read this list. We learned that we are, I mean, maybe perhaps for the first time, some things we've gone over at least anyways. We are the people of Yahweh. Yahweh created, chose, and formed us as his people. We were made to glorify Yahweh. Yahweh is with us even when we pass through the floods or the fire. We are cherished by Yahweh. We are Yahweh's witnesses. Yahweh's heart is for his people and for the nations. Yahweh is our holy one, king, creator, and redeemer. Yahweh is doing a new thing and inviting us into it. Yahweh is faithful even when we are not. And Yahweh will blot out our transgressions. And this is the journey that we've been on as a family, that we've been moving through. And I think a lot of us have a really formed identity of what does it mean for us to be a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God. And part of the hope of this series was for us to kind of garner together and form a, a corporate identity. What does it mean for us as a family to be the people of Yahweh? And so we're wrapping up this series today in kind of a really beautiful crescendo way in what I think uh, the whole story has been about up to this point. So uh, last week, uh, Rick did 43. We're going to do the first five verses of 44 today. So go ahead. If you're not there, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 44, and let's read the first five verses together. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offering, offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams." This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another one will call in the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. What I love about this passage is kind of the story arc that we're on. So even from, think about where we were a few weeks ago. Let's actually look really quickly at verse 18 before we come to the text for today. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. This is an exciting moment. Yahweh is talking to his people saying, look, come along. I'm doing something new. I'm doing something wonderful. I'm doing something beautiful. It's springing forth. It's a path in the wilderness. It's a spring of water in the desert. It's this amazing thing. Come along. And then skip down to verse 22. He says, yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob. 
You have been weary of me, O Israel. We see this where Yahweh is talking to his people and saying, this is, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something beautiful. And you're weary of me. You're rejecting me. In fact, I, I asked for offerings and what you brought and said were your own sins and your own transgressions. And then look what he does with that. Verse 25, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Even when we are not faithful, he is faithful. And then it, the, the passage ends on a really sour note. Verse 27, your first father sinned and your mediators transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane all the princes of the sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to reviling. There's a dark moment in the story. There's a dark moment in this passage where we think about Israel at its lowest place. And then look at the first verse of 44. But now. But now, hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. And he, and he, and he says, listen, this is, where, this is where you've come from. I'm doing something new. You've rejected me. I've blotted out your sins. I'm going to deliver Israel and Jacob to destruction. But now, but now, listen, Jacob, Israel. And these first two verses, look at how, many possess, how much possessive language is in these first two verses. Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord, who made you, who formed you in the womb, who will help you. Fear not, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Actually, if you look at these six lines, it's a mini chiasm. A chiasm is a literary tool where if you think about, you guys remember poetry, it'd be like A, B, D, A, or A, B, C, A, B, C, kind of like a repeating theme. A chiasm is when it goes something like C, B, A, B, C. So it's kind of like an arrow pointing. And this is a mini chiasm. You look at the first two lines, what do they say? They say, but hear now, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Look at the last two lines of these two verses. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. It's almost exactly the same thing. Jeshurun is just another name for Israel, by the way. Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen, Jeshurun, whom I've chosen. And there's two commands. The first is, Listen, hear now. And the second command is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And in the middle, if we're thinking about a chiasm, in the middle, the meat of the sandwich, so to speak, is thus says Yahweh who made you, who formed you in the womb and will help you. Yahweh, the God of the universe, the creator of everything, was forming you in your mother's womb and has been with you through until today saying, he will help you. He is with you. Listen, don't be afraid. And then verse three, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Is that ringing a bell for anyone else? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Look, I'm pouring water on dry ground. I'm streams in the desert. I'm doing this new thing. And then finally, he tells us what this new thing is. Look at the next line. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
Then they shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's or I am Yahweh's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand, the Lord's or Yahweh's and name himself by the name of Israel. These last four lines are all about people identifying themselves with Yahweh, being the people of Yahweh, writing it on their, writing it on their hand, saying, I belong to the Lord. I am Yahweh's. I'm with Jacob. I'm with Israel. I am with the people of Yahweh. This is my people. This is who you are. And in this moment, Yahweh is pointing to a point in time with his people. Look at the language. It's, it's future language. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Now we know exactly what's going on here. He's talking about the coming of the spirit. Now, often when we think about the prophecy in the Old Testament, we talk about how much prophecy in the Old Testament was pointing forward to the day when Jesus would come. And that's true. There's a ton of prophecy pointing forward about when Jesus is going to come. And, and there's a ton of prophecy pointing forward to the coming of the Holy Spirit to the people of Yahweh. And, and Isaiah is not the only one who does it either. either. Um, if you look at Ezekiel chapter 37, we don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. E- Ezekiel is shown a valley full of dry bones. And, and, and the Lord basically says, do you believe these dry bones can get up? And he says, I don't know, man. I mean, you know. And he says, pray for these dry bones. And they, and they get flesh on them. They stand up and it's a great multitude. An army is there. And Yahweh says, this is my people, Israel. They're dead. They're in dry bones, but I'm going to bring new life. And this is Isaiah thir- or Ezekiel 37, verse 14. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, or I, Yahweh, have spoken. I have done it, declares Yahweh. Also, look at uh, Joel chapter 2. It says this, uh, and this is uh, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh that your sons and daughters shall prophesy, that your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female spirits in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is something that has been prophesied about throughout the Old Testament, pointing forward to a day when Yahweh's spirit is poured out among his people. A new way, a new thing And even Jesus, Jesus steps into this narrative too. And the last supper with the disciples, this is John 14, verse 16. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is, this is the last dinner. This is the last supper. This is right before Jesus' death. He's sitting with his disciples and he's joining with a chorus of prophecy pointing forward to the day when the spirit of Yahweh is going to be poured out on his people. 
And even after Jesus' resurrection, he comes back from the dead before ascending to heaven. This is Luke 24, 49. He says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. The promise of my father, the promised Holy Spirit, the promised. This is like, I mean, we all, we all love, we all love like the Superman story or the, or the Harry Potter story where, where there's a, there's someone who, who doesn't even know, like they've got all this power. They just don't even know it. And someone comes along and says, you're a wizard, Harry. Or, or, and then Harry turns and says, well, you're a Harry wizard, Hagrid. You're full of, oh, there's a few of you that thought that was funny. That's good. Okay. I was advised to not put that joke in. I didn't listen. Or Clark Kent discovers that he's, he's Superman. He's, he's got, he's got Kyle L. He goes to this ice palace and sees, oh my goodness, there's something new going on here. Jesus is saying to his people, there is a promise coming. The promise is coming. Are you ready for it? Are you seeing it? The prophets have been speaking about this. Jesus has been pointing forward to this day when Yahweh will pour out his spirit on his people. And they will rise forth like grass in a field or by reeds by a stream. They'll multiply. They'll be everywhere. It's kind of, it's really kingdom of God language, like a mustard seed getting throughout all the garden or yeast working its way through all the leaven or leaven working its way through all the flour. Let's turn to the moment in history when we see the Spirit come. Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. I want to read, uh, I want to skip through chapter 2 just because we don't have time to do all of chapter 2 today. So the disciples listen to Jesus. They go and they wait in Jerusalem for the promise. Chapter two, verse one. When the day of the Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the moment the Holy Spirit is poured out on the people of Yahweh and they start speaking in tongues, many languages, and they go outside and they start preaching and speaking in these tongues. And all the people that were gathered there start hearing their own languages, people that are gathered from afar. They say, what are these people doing? And also everyone who doesn't know all these languages just looks at all these people babbling. Goes, what are these people drunk? What's going on? Skip down. Peter stands up, verse 14. 
Peter, standing with the eleven, lift up his voice and address them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is the passage we just read. Peter is in this upper room. He's praying with everyone. The spirit comes down and Peter steps out and preaches and says, this is the promise. This is the moment that prophets have been pointing to, that Jesus was pointing forward to. The promised Holy Spirit is here and it's now. What an incredible moment in the history of the world. Jesus said, I must go so that I can send my helper to you. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on the people of Yahweh. And look, and look what it does. Look what it does. After Peter preaches this amazing sermon, and then in verse uh, 37, it says this. Now, when they heard this, they were all cut to the heart. And Peter said to the rest of the apostles, brothers, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read that part again. I would, I would say something differently here. Normally, what I would say is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, so that you can go to heaven when you die. But that's not what Peter says. Peter says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, the promised Holy Spirit, the promise, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Does that language ring a bell? To the north, I'll call my sons. To the south, to the east, to the west, that my people, the people of Yahweh. This is the promise. This is our promise. When you laid down your life and surrendered your life to Jesus and said, you're my Lord, you're my King, you received dwelt, dwelling within you the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing and it's beautiful. It's powerful. I want to look um, at verse 42 in the same chapter. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. This is, this is the people that were saved are now organizing and are being animated and moving by the Spirit. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all believed together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with a glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Sometimes we look at this passage and we think, you know, this, this might be a really good architecture for a church. We should just kind of format church exactly this way. The problem is, is that we're not a first century Jewish church in Jerusalem. We're in a totally different context. Culturally, we, we, we move differently. 
But do you know it's the same? It's the same spirit. The same Holy Spirit that was leading them. And do, what we see in this passage, we see, we see the fruit of the spirit. We, I see love, joy, patience, self-control, kindness. I'm seeing the fruit of the spirit in these people as they're being the church. I'm not just seeing the fruit of the spirit. I'm seeing gifts of the spirit, signs and wonders. And as we proceed through the book of Acts, we see more and more and more of the spirit at work through his people. Um, there's a scholar, his name is Daryl Bach. Um, he's out of uh, Dallas Theological. And uh, he came up a couple of years ago and sat down with a group of pastors and kind of went through the book of Acts. He's one of the world's premier scholars on the book of Acts, Luke Acts, because they were both written by Luke. And uh, he was saying, he goes, one of the misnomers of the book of Acts is that it's called the Acts of the Apostles. The reality is the apostles are not the main character in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the key person in the book of Acts, moving, sending, guiding, leading the people of Yahweh to go, to preach, to share, to give, to love, to uphold. And we're a part of this story. I think I've mentioned a few times during this last series, this series is almost a preamble for our series that we're starting in January in Acts. This is us getting our, our, our identity together, saying this is who we are. We're loved by Yahweh. Yahweh is with us when we go through the fire. Yahweh is faithful to us even when we're not faithful. We understand, we start understanding all these things about Yahweh. We start understanding all these things together as a people. And we move from this place of security as the people of Yahweh because of who he is. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we take a step out and we say, Lord, what now? Where do you have us now? Where is the fruit of the Spirit bubbling up in our family? Where are the gifts of the Spirit being poured out? And we say, send us, Lord. Send us. Send your people. We are yours. And we think about how much that's been drilled into us over the last 10 weeks. You are mine. I formed you. I made you. I created you. You're my servant. I chose you. That's us. You have been chosen by the living God. And he's put his spirit inside you. It's amazing. Absolutely incredible. So where do we go from here? I want to look back at Isaiah 44. Turn with me there. I'm actually just going to read the whole passage that we've gone over today again. But now here, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen, thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
They shall spring up from among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another one will call on the name of Jacob. And another will write on his hand, the Lord's. And name himself by the name of Israel. This is our inheritance as the people of Yahweh. This is the promise to us that we receive the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. 